Hello everyone, I'm your host Patrick, and welcome back to another episode of Not Adding Up. is part two of a rabbit hole in New Hampshire. And back again, I have my sister. Hello, hello. I'm not even going to say your name. We're not doing that again. <laughs> I can't say it. Okay. Um, I'm excited to be back. I'm not sure if I'm ready for them to, to go farther down, though. This has been pretty crazy. Yeah, this one is going to be shorter than part one. Sadly, with most of the cases in that episode, I didn't find very much to go off. These cases also seem less connected to Laureen or Terry, but they are no less important to cover. But I'm not going to waste much time. I'm going to start a fun little segment on my show where, before the case, I say if it is Lisa, my mom, safe or not. I have said this a few times, but my mom is not the type of person to listen to true crime, and she likes to pretend it doesn't happen. Not because she doesn't care, but because she will literally never sleep if she listens to it too much. And the last case was a little too much for her, so I'm going to start giving a little trigger warning of sorts. This episode is not safe for Lisa, my mom. So thank you, mom, for the one-minute stream, but you can stop listening now. (laughs) And if anybody else has a sensitive ear and heart, then maybe no, don't listen to this episode. Because it does have to do with... There's no maybe. Don't listen to it. Children. Don't do it to yourself. Yeah, it's children. It all When it involves children, I feel like it's ten times worse. So do not listen. Okay, so if you need a recap on last week, we're going to do... I'm just going to do a little quick one. We're not going to get too far into it. But just to give a quick recap. So we talked about Marlies, who met Terry in 1978. We talked about Laureen, who disappeared in 1980, as well as Denise Ann Ann Denault. We talked about Denise Buden, who disappeared with her infant daughter Dawn a year later in 1981. We talked about Lisa, who was abandoned by Terry in California in 1985, the same year Marlise and her daughters were discovered as Jane Doe's. In 1989, Terry was arrested for abandonment, paroled by 1990, began dating his new victim, Yun Sun, in 1999, and by 2000, Marlise's other daughter, I think I said daughters in the first one, it was just her and her daughter discovered in 1985, 15 years later, her other daughter and Terry's biological daughter, who is not really known who the mother is, was discovered. 2001, Terry murders Yun Sun. In 2010, he died in prison as Bob Larry. They didn't know his name until 2017. But something we'll get into a little bit more that was at the end of the episode is that Lisa's true identity was discovered as Don Buden. So that was kind of a Happy note to end on last time, if you can. 
In 2017 and 2018, there were new searches conducted around Denise Buden's apartment as a result of learning that Bob Evans was actually Terry Rasmussen. Moosen? Musson? In, in 2019, Marlise and her daughters were identified, and the fourth, bar- fourth body was identified as biologically, as biologically related to Terry. Questions? Comments? I nope. know there's plenty of concerns. Yeah, ton of concerns, but no, I pretty, pretty straightforward. A lot of deaths. We're missing people. I was able to find a quote from Lisa, the daughter of Denise, who was kidnapped, and oh my gosh, this woman is a true queen. This is the quote. I am so thankful to be reunited with my grandmother and cousins after all these years. I want to send out a heartfelt thank you to all the organizations and tireless individuals who made this possible. As a victim of this incredulous story, I would like to ask that the media respects my privacy. Currently, I have three beautiful children and a loving husband and would like our presently happy and secure life to remain intact and protected through the release of this story. Please turn your focus towards the unidentified victims and other potentially unknown victims in this case, and hopefully their families will be offered some closure as this investigation continues. Thank you, Lisa. Wow. Love that. I know. I hope that they actually did leave Yes, yeah, It seems like, like they, it doesn't seem like there was much on her, so I hope that they respect she was made to like a local celebrity of sorts. The strengths it the strength it takes to walk away from that and have that outlook definitely takes a lot. So my utmost respect to Lisa. For sure. Okay, so last episode I said there were more cases that could possibly can be connected to Laureen. And I don't know if any of these are, but they all took place in New Hampshire and they are all like speculated as potentially being connected. But since they are in New Hampshire, I think it is more than appropriate for this series. The first young woman we are going to talk about is Rachel Elizabeth Garden. Rachel was born on December 30th, 1964, and was only 15 at the time of her disappearance. She was a Caucasian female with light brown hair and hazel eyes. Rachel's ears are pierced, and she wore a dental retainer, but left it behind when she disappeared. I don't know. That's she was fifteen. I feel like that's not the first thing. I lost. I literally told the story today about me losing the retainers. It was such a big deal. Yeah, mom just bought them for me again. They're expensive. She is the oldest of four, and she was a freshman at Sanborn Regional High School in 1980. Described as outspoken, fun-loving, with a little rebel streak to her. I don't know. The articles kind of make it seem like she's like rare or rebellious, but she kind of just seems like a typical teen to me. Yeah. She would complain about having to babysit her siblings, which is like, duh, (laughs) literally. Yeah. Like, why are we making a big deal about that? She was also known to skip school sometimes, so. I'm like, I never actually did that, but you did it. Yeah, no, I was going to say something I'm not unfamiliar with. I definitely skipped school a lot in my last two years, and I turned out fine. It really just depends on, like, the responsibility of the individual and, like, the crowds that they go. I get, no, it's really just the individual themselves. But definitely skipped a lot of school and was not some, like, crazy rebel. Mm-hmm. But for these reasons, she was thought to be a runaway. 
On March 22, 1980, it is known that she purchased cigarettes and chewing gum at Rose Corner Market, located on Route 11 or Route 108. Cigarettes, I guess. I know. I'm like, what? I don't know how that happened or what. I'm like, <laughs> when was the launch? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, what? She's in the 60s, right? 80s. Like, this is like 30 years past the FDA being like, we know these cause cancer. How old was she when this happened? 15. I thought she said she was born in 60-something. You said 80. Oops. 80 on the dot, yeah. So this is about, a th- oh wait, Route 108 in Newton, New Hampshire is where the corner market was. I don't think I finished that. Newton, New Hampshire is about 30 minutes or 30 miles, 40 minute drive from Manchester. The location of Denise Denault's, Denise Puden and Lorraine Ron's disappearance. So she paid with a $5 bill, got her change and left. This was around 9.30 p.m. And she was headed to her friend's house where she planned to stay the night. However, she never arrived there. So the next morning, she was reported missing at 10 a.m. when her parents couldn't find her and learned that she never showed to her friends. So she left all of her items. Like, I don't, clearly this is not a runaway situation to me, I don't think. Um, but there are some. Some evidence, some evidence that points to possibly being a runaway. Mm-hmm. But it, I think it's just she was maybe hiding something from her parents. Something that her parents said they didn't really think it would have been she would have ran away is that she has a horse and she never would have left her horse. Mm-hmm. I feel like as a horse person myself, like when you have those animals, there's definitely a special connection. So any animal, but. Not leaving it behind. Assume that these suspects are all minors because their identities have never been released. But she was seen talking to three male acquaintances in the back of the market when she got the cigarettes, and they were all known to be criminals. One of them even serving a later sentence for sexual assault. Oh. But it is unknown if they are involved. The evidence that points to a runaway comes from one of her friends who said that they spoke about it. And something else that makes it seem a little weird is the fact that her friend that she was supposed to stay with said that they didn't actually have any plans that night. But that kind of just makes it seem like she was going to stay with a boyfriend or something. Yeah, do something else. Mm -hmm. But I feel like like when you do stuff like that and you say you're going to stay one place, you kind of tell that person, hey, I'm like using you as a cover. You don't just say... That's a good point. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm not, you don't not tell them, I feel like, but that's just me. There were no posters or flyers hung up due to this runaway narrative and no wide-scale searches. Helicopters were flown over the nearby woods and swamps, but there was nothing turned up. Back to the men who have never been named publicly. One of them apparently confessed to killing Rachel. There is little to no info on this confession, however, it did prompt a unsuccessful search. In the 90s, a 60 square foot patch of woods was excavated in a search. In oh 2008. Gosh. What? That's just like. That's Wait, it was only 60 feet. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Oh, it was like 60 miles or 60 feet? No, miles. 60 feet. Excavated, yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah, so they okay. just looked. In 2008, another tip prompted another unsuccessful search. So definitely tips are coming in about this case. And it's it seems like that one... The one sit on stuff like this? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that I could. 
So yeah, I do not like how the articles are making her seem so rebellious. Yeah, because she just because she skipped school and didn't want to babysit her siblings. And she did have she was known to use drugs, I guess. Yeah, like smoke weed is what it said. So like, oh, as a kid, hate to break it to everybody, but I feel like it's offered to. 87% of the population at one point or another in high school. So. Yeah, just because she was skipping school and smoking some weed does not mean that she was condemned to a life of crime or not at all. a runaway. So, if you have any information about Rachel Garden's disappearance, please contact the Rockingham, Rockingham County Sheriff's Office. 603-679-2225 or you can contact the Newton Police Department at 603-382-6774. The next case is of 17-year-old Elizabeth Lamute. Sadly, there is even less on Elizabeth. Born on July 27, 1967, she would vanish after leaving a youth development center in the in Manchester, New Hampshire, on furlough to Gil, to the Gill Stadium on November twenty second, nineteen eighty four. Wonder what she was in there like. I can't find what she was in there for or where she was doing at the stadium. Literally nothing on her story. No, but she was where at a youth development center. It seems like it was like a behavioral, youth. yeah, like a behavioral center. That's what I was saying because you said she was furloughed out, and I was like. She was discharged from the development center on what would have been her 18th birthday, but this oh. was months after she disappeared on November 22nd, 1984. On April 14th, 1985, Eliz Elizabeth's body was discovered all the way in Greene County, Tennessee. Whoa. She had been beaten and stabbed, and her death was obviously ruled a homicide. An autopsy revealed she died a few weeks prior to her discovery. So she been that was alive for a while though. Six she was months disappearing. I mean, disappearing disappeared. One article says that her fingernails had pink polish, which I think is odd if she was kidnapped. Well, I'm mean, like, if she was one of those sinners, she very well could have tried to like, you know, planned an escape to get out of there, and. So, it's not super surprising that she would be a runaway, but where she ended up, that's crazy. That's a good ways away. She was a Jane Doe at the time of her discovery. Yeah, she was in the wrong region. <laughs> she was not even reported missing until 2017. What? Because she was in that... I wonder if she was like a fall. Like, why was she... I know. It didn't mention any parents or... I think. I she bet she was like a, a child of the state. I would assume if she was in a facility like that. Children that you can't place in foster homes due to uh, a plethora of reasons, you know, not having them or... Sometimes people... Children just... Children can be difficult and sometimes people just can't handle them, you know, or they say they can't handle them. So they do put them in these facilities until they turn 18. And I'm sure that... Gosh, I, I know right now in today's day and age, they're much better than they were. So I can't imagine back then what they were because they're still eh now. And no parents were mentioned, just that she was in that. Yeah. Super I mean, sad. It, and the fact do, that she wasn't reported. Her family. Missing. I mean, her family. So let's keep talking. 
a 2017 press conference having to do with none other than Bob motherfucking Evans when police were trying to learn the identity of Elizabeth Evans who has a connection to Terry while Elizabeth Lamute was not Evans this conference did lead to the confirmation that the body was the body found in Greene County was her and I think that, that they used DNA, so I think they had to have some living family. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, kids in the system like that, you know what I mean? It doesn't mean they don't have a living family or anything. It's just crazy that she... How was she just not reported missing? That's my thing. Like, what? She went missing, like, what? I'm a you know, math genius, so what, 20, 30 years prior? That's like 30 years difference. From 20, or 1980 something it is 30 years how did she not go how did she was never reported missing is essentially what it was they were just confirmed who this jane doe was Mm -hmm. she was never reported missing which is boggles my mind that that place she she was furloughed out and never came back they just assumed she was a runaway but i feel like they would still have to report that like that they didn't get her back like after it's not like it it's still like prison like I feel like things like that you know happen mm-hmm. like they have the counts and the checks and they but things definitely slip through the cracks apparently yeah crazy very crazy so this has a little bit more to connect it to Laureen and Terry just because of the area but yeah. I think this shows that there's evidence that there is a second serial killer in the area possibly yeah targeting children rather than women with children as Terry seemed to do if you have any information about Elizabeth's case, please contact Manchester Police at 603-668-8711 or the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation at 1-800-824-3463. Alright, so who the fuck is Elizabeth Evans? On January 9th, 1980, a letter was signed by Elizabeth Evans, who is also listed as Terry's spouse on two of his arrests that took place that year, both of which were for drunk driving. So this couldn't have been Lorraine, Denise, or Elizabeth, and it's just chilling proof to me that he had more victims. Yeah. Elizabeth Evans was her name, and she was his spouse. Well, it's probably not her real name. I know. That's what also, Dad and I it's were talking It's definitely not her real name, because that I, wasn't his real name. Yeah, it wasn't his real name, but it was just so crazy to me that, like, People didn't know his real name, too. Dad and I were talking about that. And I'm like, how the fuck did this man, like, just, how do people do that? Like, Bob Evans. And it was just so long before. I mean, like, he was dead. Dead, gone, in the wind. He's like, ha you motherfuckers, I got, I got y'all. Like, I fooled you all my whole life and did all these terrible things. And you only made me suffer for the last 10 years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even that long, right? Maybe it was. 2000. 2000, he go to jail. 2001? I don't know. 2003, I think. Okay, so less than 10 years, but regardless. The next case is that of Shirley Ann McBride. Wait, wait, wait. So we just don't know about... Elizabeth Evans, there's nothing. There's nothing? Mm-hmm. Just that she was listed as his spouse, and she's... And the police are trying to identify who it was. Okay. Because they weren't even interested in Bob Evans until 2017 when they found out he yeah, was Shirley Ann McBride, though, was born on April 5th, 1969, and was also 15 at the time of her disappearance, like Rachel. 
she would receive the nickname Tippy because her feet were tipped inward. And that was like from her family. It wasn't yeah. picked on nickname. Her family described her as a young woman trapped inside a child's body. Which I it's just a weird way to... I know what it means, but it's just weird. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just don't like that. But it's like Mature. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just, I don't know. Just reading that is just interesting. Yeah, I don't like that either. She had ran away before, but she always returned. She was currently living in her half-sister's apartment in Concord, New Hampshire, about 17 miles away from Manchester. And on July 7th, 1984, she had nothing with her to run away with or start a new life. But she was last seen leaving her sister's apartment. I already said that. Yeah. Okay, but question. Where are her parents? Her parents... The reason that she lived with her parents is because, I mean, her, her sister was because her half sister. She had her parents' permission, but they had recently moved to Pittsfield, which was like an hour, half an hour drive away, and she wasn't making friends in the area and skipping school as a result. Okay, so that's I figured there was. I just wondered why she lived with the older sister or but half sister. Whatever. The fact that like now we have three girls skipping school, like Laureen was known yeah. to skip school. Rachel I wonder if they got just snagged. Well, if, like, if they would got snagged while they skipped and this person maybe would watch it. Well, they didn't all go to it. They were all in the same area, so you could just go to different high schools within the area. You wouldn't snag people from the same school over and over again. That's too suspicious. The same area is suspicious enough for the same high school. She was leaving to pick up some babysitting money she was owed and then to meet her 21-year-old boyfriend whoop, at work. Whoop, whoop. He, she's 15? Mm-hmm. Okay. Keep going. Going back to the boyfriend, which is, seems like a predator to me. Yeah, that's, uh... 18 guys, come on. Things between the two were not the best, according to some, and there were rumors that she planned to pour sugar in his gas tank that night. But then other stories are just she was going to see him at work. Like I said, she was known to be a runaway, but she had always come back. After a week, her father assumed she was dead and suspected her boyfriend. He began investigating him himself and was eventually arrested for stalking. It's sad. Her family has always been upset with the fact that her case was labeled a runaway. Their relationship with the Concord Police Department has become very sour. Robin McBride, a sibling of Shirley, is still upset about the first officer's nonchalant demeanor while looking into the case. She feels as if her sister was branded as someone not worth looking for. That's why I assumed her dad would, was going so hard, is they just didn't get what they thought they deserved from the police. Well, and I'm sure that he thought it was the boyfriend. If you don't have an answer, you have a feeling. Like the 21-year-old you, boyfriend yeah. of your 15-year-old Yeah, daughter. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when you, especially when you don't have answers, like you have to, I feel like in your mind you probably have to blame somebody. And he's a perfect person to blame. But he was not the only suspect in her disappearance. Her boyfriend and some ex-con bikers connected to her boyfriend were all interviewed, and her boyfriend remains a person of interest. In 2000, and, okay, this this next part, it's getting a little wavy. I don't really know what's going on here. All right. In 2013, a new investigator begins looking into the case, and police approach the family requesting DNA samples. And the family was done with Concord Police at this point. They were like, "We're not helping you. Little, too little, too late." Which I kind of understand. I think they were working. With somebody else. another department. But it's, it's, it's interesting. This whole next part is kind of confusing to me. But Walter Davis, who was 26 at the time, 
admitted to raping a girl in Concord and throwing her in a river. According to Stacy, 26 at the time at, in 2013. No, 20, or, 2003. And I. Th- yeah, he would have had to have been 26 at the time. And it, this I think this is taking place in 2003. Okay, okay. So like older than that, like probably okay. in his 40s in 2003, because okay. it wouldn't make okay. sense. He's coming. He's coming forward. After. It wouldn't make sense. Yeah. But he admitted to raping a girl in Concord and throwing her in a river. According to Stacy Murray Coburn, a professor from Nashua. I don't know what that is, but... Hmm. According to Stacy... According to Stacy Murray Coburn, who is a professor and grew up around the Davis family. <laughs> You're struggling. I am. I can see it like you're all. I'm like, okay, so the information we're going to talk about comes from a professor who kind of grew up with the Davis family. So some information on Walter, though, is that he worked in Concord at the time of her disappearance, of Shirley's disappearance. And he was caught by his family trying to burn some damn clothes in July of 1984. He would then he would reportedly tell his mother and stepsister that he had raped a girl, thrown her in the river, and kept her clothes. And his family would then help him try to cover it up. Yeah, like if you caught him burning damn clothes, yes, he. <laughs> Don't you think it's true? No, he. They tried to help him cover it up. Oh, I thought you said they caught. Oh my God. Okay, no. <laughs> what? I was like. All right, Tizzy. I heard that wrong. Sorry, sorry. Hopefully they don't do that for me now. <laughs> While they tried to cover it up, like, his sister took it the clothes to her closet, apparently. But yeah. she would tell her friend, and her friend, who had a conscience, told the police. The clothes were obtained, and Shirley's family... How would you do something? Like, what? You put them in your closet? I'm sorry. Like, not that I don't want her to get caught, but I'm like, come on. Shirley's family says they believe that they were hers. So... The police department that received the clothes is the Murmurak Police Department, but that was not the agency that was in charge of it. That would be the Concord Police Department. So that's something that's confusing. But the Murmurak Police Department wanted him to take a lie detector test, but he refused. I guess that's too long. Like, DNA? Oh, he died in 2003. Mm. Walter? Mm-hmm. But it's just like, it's not really clear when it all came out like the professor who knew him growing up came came out with this later but it's not really clear when but it seems like the clothes thing happened kind of close to why the fuck would you keep clothes years later well okay no i donate them to goodwill geez louise like give them out of your possession i think that i fucked up i think that it happened close to okay it actually, but it's just so confusing. It is very confusing, and this There's not was much information out there. So they think that this was. Uh, I'm really bad with these names. He was the Shirley, girl. Sure, yeah, okay, yes. Shirley, Shirley McBride, and that, that, I think that's why they took it to Murmurak Police Department and not Concord. Concord, but it's just really unclear when this all went down. It is pretty clear that he 
is a likely suspect and the likely perpetrator. But Concord PD didn't get to the close until 2014. Huh. Because they were originally taken to Murmurak. Okay. 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 So Whenever they took custody of the closing clothing, they said they were going to test it for DNA, but it's not clear if this was ever done. What? Shirley's parents had her declared legally dead in 1996, 12 years after her disappearance. And they have both passed away since. However, her remaining family longs for answers. In 2018, Robin McBride met with Walter Davis's half-sister, the one that supposedly hit the clothes. She said she doesn't remember the incident, and it's probably because she was high, which you would remember those types of things even if you're high, sweetie. Also, she says that she was wearing the clothes when they came to get them, which is like, okay. You remember, you don't remember that, but you remember that you were wearing the clothes. You, that, yeah. That make it make sense to me. Yeah. She, she did say that she believed that her brother could have done something to Shirley as he had an obsession with her and uh, Shirley and her looked alike. The professor I mentioned earlier... it's a half-sibling? Yes. Yeah. That's okay. The professor I mentioned earlier who grew up around the family believes something is up. Quote, There was something... There was some reason why the Murmurak Police Department didn't do something about it. Not a cover, but some reason why they didn't pursue this. He is a clear target. He, he was a drug addict. He was known in town. He had a perversion to him. Police knew him by face and they knew him by name. This, there had to be a law enforcement issue somewhere. Yeah. The cold case unit has recently been revamped and seems like it is taking it more seriously. And if you have any tips for them, you can contact them at 603-225-8600. And it really seems like Walter, or... Yeah, that did that to Shirley. So yeah, he was 26... It seems like at the time. And I'm, it feels like, oh my gosh. I, I literally explained it and then we just like gl- glanced over it. We just glanced, we just do, 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 do. He was caught by his family in July of 1984 trying to deal with the clothes. His family tried to help him cover it up, but his sister blabbed to a, the friend, the friend yeah. of the police. That's when it hit the fan. That's when the police went there. And then, so probably around. Yeah, I caught happened. that when you went back. You did not. I caught that that's when they got the clothes when they went back and but the I sister was, blabbed. And then I, but I was just confused about when it all came to light. It came to light. Oh, in right then. July, yeah, yeah. Or like a few months so, after. And so they should have taken and they didn't take it seriously and that's why they were. Well, well, it's not that they didn't it, take it seriously. It was in the, even the same police department so they yes. wouldn't have known about it. But it's interesting because you think that the surrounding police departments would talk to each other a little bit more. Like, mm-hmm. No. I don't know. Like, looking into this. They don't. I know. You're like, you do this a lot. So I'm just like, I would think that they would, like, somebody, like, missing persons that they would share. Like, there would be a thing that's shared between counties or something like that. Something that that I learned from Marianne is that, like, if you have a history in law enforcement, sometimes that can be, like, another hurdle. Like, that can, like, you would think that would be a benefit, but it's, it's like, the opposite. Yeah. Because she's worked with the FBI. Oh, yeah. Marianne has done the damn thing, and she still has some issues trying to get with law enforcement and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is like a, this is a damned if you do, damned if you don't, because the family was just trying to take it to the agency that was, that they saw, like, maybe they can help us. And then Concord was like, how, we didn't even know about this. Like, we, maybe we could have tested this, but it's been almost 10 years. Yeah. Like, where the fuck is the test? Like, where's the DNA test? (laughs) No. 
Like Robin, we McBride, know we can do it. Robin McBride was here for four. Like she's been out here being vocal about the case, so obviously the DNA is available to compare to someone. Like her, so yeah. Why don't we? Why don't we compare? And her father was still alive in two thousand up until two thousand and fifteen. Her mother died in the early two thousands. But well, dang! Like yeah, they could have. Oh, I thought Shirley was the last one, but no, I forgot about this one. Oh my god. So this next case, Tammy Lynn Bellinger. So if you know me, you know I am not a kids person. I don't want kids. I don't have kids. I don't work around them. I don't, I'm not around them. Like kids are not my thing. Okay. This makes it easier for me to cover cases having to do with children. Obviously, I am still more upset by the fact that they are children, but I know for podcasters who are parents, some will not even touch cases like this because it's just something that they can't fathom. Oh like, God, Patrick. When, it, there's really not much, but, like, this seems kind of like a long tangent, yeah. But I really don't typically have trouble looking into cases having to do with children. But when I saw the picture of Tammy, my heart skipped a beat. I don't know what it is, but she is the cutest little girl and just radiates sweetness and positivity. And her innocent smile breaks my heart. Ugh. My heart hurts, and I don't even know what this little girl looks like. Tammy was eight years old in third grade when she disappeared from Exeter, New Hampshire, while walking to school. E-X-E-T-E-R. Exeter. I just kicked my water over. Where did you have a towel in here? Sorry, sorry. While she disappeared from Exeter, New Hampshire, while walking to school on November 13th, 1984. A neighbor would see her cross the street around 8 a.m., and this is the last reported sighting. When she didn't return home by 3.30, her parents called the police and reported her missing. And she, they found that she was not in class that day. In the following days, police and volunteers searched an eight-mile area on foot with helicopters and boats. Divers searched a nearby quarry, but nothing was found. Victor... Wyonette, then 41, became a suspect in the case. He was living in a motel, which is a great start, in Rye, New Hampshire, and he was just jailed on parole. He was recently... Released from jail on parole. Yeah, for a violation. Hey, well, no, he hey, was recently... can't say anything about He's a bad person. I'm he sorry. was... I can't do that. He was jailed on parole for a violation, so, like, he recently... I don't know. He was jailed on parole, Okay. Wyonette, well, let me say Victor. Victor had been convicted in 1979. No. Yeah. Oh, wow. Victor had been convicted in 1979 of felonious sexual assault of a female, female minor, which was his 13-year-old stepdaughter. He served four years in prison for this before being paroled in July of 1983. He left the state and went to Florida his parole was provoked. He was revoked. Revoked, yes, no, thank you. I have her wrote as revoked. Provoked, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? He was also connected to another eight-year-old girl who went missing in Florida in 1984. So this is definitely oh. a suspect character. In January of 1992, he received 72 years for being a repeat, repeat offender 
He was a peeping Tom caught 14 times in less than three weeks. Every time it was a child. <gasps> and of course he got out in April of 2012 for this. 75 years goes by really quickly, I guess. And died in December of that year, so hopefully from what? Christmas. I don't care. I don't know. Just like they killed? Maybe, maybe he got released because they knew he was going to die. That's the only reason, reason I can hope and see, like, 75 years, and then he was released, in, like, 20 years later. Yeah, that's the way that he was released, is what I think. So, on the day of Tammy's disappearance, he called into work sick. His vehicle, which had a Florida license plate in New Hampshire and a broken taillight, pretty easy to spot, yeah. was spotted in the area. However, there has been no physical evidence ever linking him, so he was never charged. Investigators say there is no plausible connection to Terry or Lorene. He seems like the offender in this case. Tammy was so much younger than Rachel, Elizabeth, and Shirley. Yeah. These are children. Those are adolescents. Yeah, and like nothing about this little, sweet little eight-year-old girl seems rebellious at all. No. Like, I just want to hug her. Her picture is so sweet. Ah, it's really so cute. I don't know what it was about it. You didn't send it to me. I thought you sent it I to did. me yesterday. I, I only no. I only got the pictures of. I only got the TikToks. Do you of, want to bet? You're like. Do you want to bet? Well, if it doesn't mean that I got them. Just check it. Check our check our conference. Do it on the air right now. Everybody I can't. Sleep. My phone's dead. I'll check them. But just because it's on yours does not mean it's on mine. Mm. Jake, that happens a lot. Mm. But I'm like, I got two back to back TikToks. I thought. I sent you a picture of me and the Oh, list. I did. I do remember her. Yeah, she okay. is sweet. She is sweet. I'm right, everybody. Of course. Okay. Any information on <laughs> Tammy Lynn Bellinger's disappearance can go to the Exeter Police Department. I'm probably saying extra wrong, but 603-772-1212. So what are we taking away from this? that there is at least one other sick piece of shit living within a 30, 30 mile radius of Terry around the time that he was operating. Elizabeth, Shirley, and Tammy have pretty likely suspects in their disappearance. Yeah. There's, there is definitely, I feel like a different, a second person in the area during that time, which is crazy because I'm like, oh, how many more? I'm like, was there any more? You know what I mean? Like, I misspoke. It is Rachel, Shirley, and Tammy. Elizabeth, we really don't have any suspects. Oh, Elizabeth Evans? Yeah, or Elizabeth Lamute was the 17-year-old that was found in Tennessee. Oh, yeah. She was just... Yes. Terry, number two, what else? The second thing that we can take away from this is that Terry had at least one more unidentified victim, whoever Elizabeth Evans is. And the third thing is that I feel like there is another serial offender in the area targeting young girls around 1980 to 1985. From what I can tell, I could go deeper into this New Hampshire rabbit hole. I agree. I'm like, I know you've told me a little bit off air, but it definitely seems like there's more in the area. I wonder, you know, how we, uh, with Oakland County, you know, we have like the pedo ring. I'm like, is there like a, would it be like the same type of thing? You know, like a a ring of that sorts, but then, you know, they go out and murder, murder them. I just wondered if anything, cause they are younger girls. I, I guess, uh, what's his name? 
uh, Rasmussen wasn't. It was women with children, but the other one are younger girls. So I wonder if that was like an issue or some of some sorts or anything up there too. I feel like that might have, yeah. There's more on the other cases, so maybe that's why that wouldn't be something that's come to light yet. Yeah. Guess they'll keep that under wraps till death do them part, man. Most of the cases I have talked about today seem pretty unconnected to Lorraine and Terry, but they still deserve to be told. This wraps up the two-part series of Down the New Hampshire Rabbit Hole. And boy, was it a doozy. Yeah, so sad. Yeah, very sad group of cases that we know so little about. Sometimes I wonder if we would learn know more about cases like these. Like, obviously we would if we have technology, but it's just so crazy to me, like, the advances and, like... Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine who's not that much different than me, but she was telling me about her childhood versus, like, our childhood. And I can't even... And she's... These are older, you know what I mean? Older. And she's like, yeah, I was this age doing this. My parents never knew. And I'm like, yeah, so were these kids. And then, you know, things... We never knew where they went. But, like, if they had a cell phone, we could have pinged this. You know what I mean? Or you have this, you could have figured that out. Or technology-wise. That's why serial killers are practically... Um at this point in time yeah yes not quite but cold cases do get solved and we just have to keep talking about them and raising awareness when you look at the gaps between the discoveries made in these cases it seems pretty crazy but it also makes you realize that it is most definitely possible to solve cases decades later also thank you again to lacole it has been so nice interacting with you on tiktok since you have came across my account Thank you so much for suggesting Laureen's case and bringing awareness. And thank you, Sissy, for coming back. Always. For my another... pleasure. Don't say my pleasure, Chick-fil-A. That reminds me of Chick-fil-A. That's Why? That's what they always say. They have to say that. They can't say thank you. You're welcome. That's say my pleasure. Okay. Always. Thanks for having me. <laughs> If you want to get in touch with me, you can do so by following me on Instagram at podcastnau or looking up Not Adding Up on TikTok or Facebook. should be able to find me. I plan on coming out with an extra episode soon. I know I mentioned that, but it's been finished for a while. I just have to find a time to record it. So be on the lookout for that. And I will also have, of course, an episode next Saturday for you all. So make sure you tune back in. I hope you are all having a great morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever it is you are tuning in. And I literally already said I hope you tune in again soon, but I do hope you tune in again soon for another case that just does not 